Revelation chapter four, verse eight says this. Holy, 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 Lord God the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Today as we begin our Advent series, Sanctus Sanctus, which in the Latin is holy, holy. I wanna speak to you from the subject, dust and ashes. Dust and ashes, as we begin our journey today at looking at the holiness of God. And over these next three weeks, we're gonna unpack this idea. And I'll explain this more in a moment, but the reason that we've got DJ Josiah over here (laughs) to accompany this message is because I don't want it to be just a stack of information today. I wanna experience God with you. As As we partner with the heavens in saying holy, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Will you pray with me today? Jesus, we honor you in this place. I pray right now that every ounce of pride, every ounce of doubt, fear, insecurity, ego, tension, Distraction, apathy, depression, anxiety would leave this room right now that we would have total and complete clarity as we come face to face with you. And so right now we speak faith into the room. God, would you speak to us right now? Would you clear up and clarify? Would you redo and reorganize who we are on the inside so that the world would change on the outside. We love you and we honor you in this place right now. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody said with me, amen and amen. When I was a kid, which I still am in many ways, I, I was fascinated with space. Any, any space people in here? Show hands. How many of you are fascinated by space? Come on, put them up big and tall. Not a trick question. You just like, when I look at the stars, how many of you have had that experience before where you're out in the wilderness, maybe in the high Uintas in our beautiful state that we have here, and you are in the woods, the crackling of the fire, the sparks that go off the top of the fire. I want you to think about this picture for a moment because... If you're like me, what happens is I follow the spark that leaves the flame, and as it flickers up, it gets lost in sparks that are brighter than the original one that I followed. And as I, as I watch the flicker of that flame and the sparks go into the sky, I'm once again reminded of what I was reminded of when I was a kid, and that is I am small in comparison to what is around me. See, there's something so powerful when you look up and realize The vastness of space is so much bigger than we can comprehend. Oh, we try, don't we? We got one of our guys up in the up in the booth today. He works for NASA, sends rockets into the sky. Twofold. Love the fact that a dude who sticks rockets in the sky is up in that booth right now. (laughs) And so when I look at some of the pictures that come from the space station, or when I 
when I just simply Google earth. (laughs) I'm reminded of the fact that while I'm taken back at the vastness of this universe, God is still so much bigger. He's beyond even that. And that is what this series is ultimately about, exploring the majesty and the holiness of God. And I believe that if there's ever a season for this, it is this one right now we are in. Why? Because so many of us have been so focused on what is right in front of us, we have misplaced our wonder and awe. And it has been replaced with jaded and a tired version of faith. Come on, am I talking to anybody in church today? Wonder and awe, we've lost it. My kids right now, they're, they're, they're full long into wonder and awe. And I sat back the other day and I almost teared up as I watched my kids almost ignorant to everything else that's going on in the world. All they've heard of COVID because mom and dad talk about it a lot. All they've heard of the tensions and all the different things. But once again, I am met with the childlike faith of my children as they forget about everything that is around them and they lose themselves in something bigger than themselves. And I wonder today if in this moment, in this Advent series, we can get lost again in the greatness and the magnitude and the bigness of who God is. My hope is that we can have a moment like Moses would have with God. As he would be once again awakened to the greatness of God. Exodus 3, 1 through 6. Can we just wander through the scriptures right now? That's what I want to do. I want to wander and wonder with you today. This is going to be more like an episode from Lost, so just got to stay with me. Exodus 3, 1 through 6 says this, Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law. He was working for his father-in-law, which is hard. It's in the Greek. It's in the Greek. That was my mom-in-law. The priests of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. Can we just pause there for a moment and realize that sometimes it is the far side of the wilderness where we experience the greatness of God. Some of us don't like an inch into the wilderness, let alone the far side. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. I love this. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but was not consumed. So as any male would think, Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. (laughs) I want us to notice that first and foremost, the burning bush was a remarkable sight. It was nothing more to Moses until something would take place. I think for some of us, God can just be a remarkable sight until we collide with his grace and his love. Oh, I think God's a remarkable sight to all kinds of people. We can creatively bring conjecture about who he is and we can try to measure and quantify and add up and bring language to it. Oh, he's a remarkable sight. But what happens when you meet the burning bush? What happens when, like Moses, this bush isn't burning up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush. This is when it gets wild. 
Moses, Moses, he says, here I am. That's what you say when a bush is talking to you. (laughs) And he answered, watch this, do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I want us to notice it was not holy ground because of a bush burning. It was holy ground because of God's presence. Your car can be holy ground. Your cubicle, your office, your living room, your bedroom can be holy ground. And it's in this moment that Moses would meet face to face with with God, and then God would say this, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then in the ensuing verses, God would have a conversation with Moses and and say, hey, listen, Moses, I, I need you to go have a conversation with Pharaoh, and I need you to let him know that my people are to be released. And then Moses is gonna kick back for a moment and ask God a question. Watch what he says if you go to the Israelites. If I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Think about that. God does not instruct Moses to say a king has sent you. God does not instruct Moses to say somebody in just simple authority has sent you. God says to Moses, tell them, I am sent you. Now, if you don't know much about the term I am, it's a pretty magnanimous term. It's a term that wrapped into it speaks a lot broader and bigger than what we can realize because I am, according to God, was his designation to let everybody know that he was before all things. He is in all things. He will be after all all things. I am. I am the substance of all things. I hold all things together. I breathe life into all things. It is my word, I am, that keeps everything in motion. It is I am who breathe the stars that you look at when the flame flickers. I am. What a response. It was the cosmic mic drop. For those of you who know what an 808 is, that was the first one ever. Where are we going with this series? If nothing else, this series, I hope, causes us to grow in our love for him, our awe of him as we behold his glory. I hope that this series is a series that reorients our Advent season and causes us to shout with the heavens, holy, 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 sanctus, sanctus. And I can't say that this will be an overly practical series. I can't promise that this series will give us catchy handles and Christmas card sayings. But I can promise that as we journey through this Advent season, we will be pulled towards the gravity of his greatness, the vast reality of God's glory and holiness. And as the creator of the heavens and earth, we will go on a journey where we meet the one who put on flesh, descended, became incarnate, and dwelt among us so that might we come into 
a relationship with him that he would bridge the brokenness and he would bring us close. As John would write, put on flesh, dwelt among us, we observed his glory. We read about Moses. We find John's understanding. But Job, another guy in the Bible, it's the, it's the book where you thought was Job. It's Job. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Everybody turn to Job. Where's Job? I got Job, but not Job. Where's... Job would have a similar experience with God, and it would, of course, be at the end of what was an incredibly difficult season in his life. Can we all agree collectively right now this has been a difficult season? I think there's one thing that we all have in common. This has been a difficult season. And if you don't know much about Job, we find his, his story captured in 42 chapters in this book, named after him. We could read the highlight reel, which was not much of a highlight reel. It was more of a low light reel. Job would lose everything. He would lose relationship. He would lose his greatness. He would lose his wealth. He would lose his family to death. Like literally, he would lose everything. And in so, his friends would accuse him of being the reason for that loss. He would be criticized. He would be given bad advice. He would wail. He would weep. He would face suffering in a way that many of us will never even gaze upon. Yet he would come to a place of reconciling all of this as he would look at the holiness and the majesty of God. I want you to listen to what he says. Job 42, verses 2 through 6. You're doing so good, Josiah. This is awesome. This is what Job says to God. He says, I know that you can do anything and no plan of yours can be thwarted. Come on. If you receive any encouragement today, there it is right there. Job, who lost everything, reconciles this truth right here that, that no plan of God's can be thwarted. You asked, who is this who can seals my counsel with ignorance? Surely I spoke about things. Watch what he says. Surely I spoke about things I did not understand. You ever been there before? You ever spoken about things you just didn't understand? Things, watch what he says, too wondrous for me to know. And you said, listen now and I will speak. We'll, we'll get to that part in just a moment. And when I question you, you will inform me. And I heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, watch what he says, I reject my words and I'm sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. In the moment of Job reconciling all these things with God, he realizes his position in the universe in relationship to the glorious and wondrous, wondrous nature of who God is. In God's infamy, he is dust and ashes. In God's infinite nature, he is just dust and ashes. He is the product of dirt. It takes us all the way back to Genesis, 
where God would take the dirt and that's where he would bring us into formation. And I know for some of us, we can't leap over that scientifically and we can't leap over that mathematically, but today is not a day about science and mathematics. Today is a day about the hand of God. Today is a day about the wonder of God. Today is a day where we take God and we get him out of the box that we've placed him in because if we put him into a box, he ain't God. He's our invention. Oh, but when he's outside of the box, oh, when he reaches into the dirt and he breathes life, that's when he's God. Oh, I'm just dust and ashes. And this statement that Job makes has wrecked me because as a broken and very fallible man, I realize that I am guilty too of presuming upon God things that are so far outside of my understanding. And this gritty interaction between God and Job eventually brings Job to this place in his understanding of God that is neither practical nor comprehensible. It's a moment where Job would simply say, sanctus, sanctus, holy, holy, holy. The ground you are on is holy. And it's these final statements from Job that have caused a deep work in my own life as I've been on the same journey that you have been this year, not understanding what in the monkey is happening. <laughs> but it's Job's honest candor that has caused me to make some observations about the holiness God of God that I hope helps you as they've helped me. And I just quickly wanna go through them as we come to the final moments of this message. Three observations, here's the first one. His holiness should make me consider my control. Job 42, two, I know that you can do anything, you can do anything, and no plan of yours can be thwarted. See, the course of humanity tends to lead us to massive attempts of mass control. Would you agree with me today? See, we try to control just about everything from literally birth to death. And the problem is is that when it comes to control, many of us never arrive at the truth that I hope sets us all free this morning. And here it is right here. It took me all of my college, Bible college, Greek, Hebrew, Old Testament, New Testament. This is what it comes down to. You and I are not in control. I know, deep. (laughs) The problem is, is that we still set our course to try to be in control. But here's the truth, that most of our attempts at control are simply our attempts to stave off fear. Fear of uncertainty, fear of the unknown, fear of pain, fear of suffering, fear of lack, fear of inadequacy, fear of death, and just about everything else. Spiders, clowns, and fire. Fear. We have rational fears, we have irrational fears. Have you ever noticed that we call rational fears? And so all of these fears, whether rational or irrational, they've caused us to try to grab control. The problem is, is if you're like me, I hate living with fear. I don't like trying to control every ounce of life because I'm afraid. This is why Paul would encourage us in Corinthians 
to simply say to ourselves, oh, death, where is your sting? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, our greatest fear is death. Our greatest fear is the end of all things. We don't talk like this in church anymore. But here's what I've come to realize is that when I no longer fear death, it's because I've seen the holiness of God. It's because I've seen the greatness of God. It's because I've seen what's next because I know what is promised. Oh, death, where is your sting? I'm accident prone. Can I get a witness in church today? My family has to worry about me at times. Whenever I go on trip, Erica's like, can you please be careful? I'm like, what can I possibly do? She's like, I don't know, just walking for you is a problem. And so I measure and I try to make sure I control things and control the atmosphere and da 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 da. But this is what this Advent season should lead us towards a full-fledged releasing of control. When I understand his holiness, I let go. Because I'm not in control, you're not in control. Here's the second observation. His sovereignty should make me consider my understanding Listen to what Job says. He says, you asked, who is this who conceals my counsel with ignorance? Surely I spoke about things, surely I spoke about things I did not understand. Things too wondrous for me to know. This is Job reflecting back to earlier moments in his journey where he would call into question God's ability, God's sovereignty, God's power. You ever called it into question before? Wait, wait, wait a second. This is what I thought, God. This is who I thought you were. I thought, I thought you were supposed to get rid of that cancer. I thought you were supposed to protect me from that abuse. I thought you were supposed to keep me from the ledge. I thought that I was supposed to have a job till I retired. I thought, I thought, I thought. And as he reflects back, He understands, like you and I, that we have a tendency to judge the limitless nature of God through our limited perspective and understanding. You and I can't judge space. We try. I love what God says in Genesis. Hey, like it's Abraham he calls out to. He says, hey, come out. Look at the stars, count them if you can. God's cheeky like that. I don't even know why I said cheeky. I don't know where that came from. So Job 42 verse 3, as Job's reconciling this holiness issue, it's actually Job reflecting back to an earlier conversation that he had with God in Job 38, 4 through 18, where he would call into question God's authority, God's sovereignty, God's ability. And watch what God says to Job, and if this doesn't undo you, I don't know what does. Job 38, verses four through 18. This is God speaking to Job. He says, where were you when I established the earth? Can we just pause and reflect for a moment? 
I want you to get a sarcastic fatherly language on this one for a moment. Where were you when I established you? Remember when dad used to, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out of this world. That's what this statement is. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. Who, who stretched a measuring line across it? What supports its foundations? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and total darkness its blanket, when I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place, when I declared you may come this far, but no farther, your proud waves stop here. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning or assigned dawn in its place? So it may seize the edges of the earth and shake the wicked out of it. The earth is changed as clay by a seal. Its hills stand out like the folds of a garment. Light is withheld from the wicked and the arm raised and violence is broken. Have you traveled to the sources of the sea or walked in the depths of the oceans? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the extent of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this because if you do then you can tell me what I'm not capable of but until you do that no I do everything I am This is the God who would cause Moses to take off his shoes. This is the God that would pause the literal heavens so that the angels would rejoice. Holy, holy, holy is our Lord God Almighty who was who is and is to come. Third observation and the last one. His majesty should make me consider my humanity. Job says this in verse six. He says, therefore, I reject my words. Come on, someone needs to hear that today. We've spoken some words over some stuff. Come on, some words have been spoken to us. So Job says, listen, I've said some things to you, God, out of frustration and out of hurt and out of uncertainty. I've said some I've said some things that I didn't mean. I reject my words and I'm sorry for them. And this is what Job says about himself. He says, I am dust and I am ashes. And this is probably the greatest perspective that we can have concerning the holiness and majesty of God. And it's this right here. If you don't get anything else, my life is the product of his breath.
And we can sit here this morning and we can have a debate about it and we can say, oh, no, 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 Jason, my breath is a product of my lungs functioning at a certain capacity, that the oxygen is colliding with the, with the H2O and the MP3 and the, and the RSD and the Instagram, and so I breathe. We can say blood flows this way and as I exhale and inhale, my brain's doing something and my heart is doing something and you could, if you wanted to, boil the sum total of your life down to the product of your internal organs. But I just wanna declare today, when we start to understand the holiness of God, you are more than what is inside of you. You are the breath of God. Your very life is held together by the word of God. Oh, he breathed life. Breathe life. Also, someone's got to stop discounting who you are. You got to stop worrying about where you came from. You got to stop worrying about the pedigree. You got to stop worrying about what it is that you look like. You're the breath. Breath. You just pick dirt up. Just the king of the universe bent down and played in the sand. How dare you see yourself as anything less? Paul would remind us, you are, we are, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand, that, and he uses this term, that we would walk in them, how does dirt walk, breath, that's how dirt walks. Otherwise, I'm just dust and ashes. And I pray, starting today, that these next three weeks as we journey to Christmas Eve, that we would once again be met the holiness of greatness of God. This is not a practical series. This is an awe. You are so good. Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty who was and he is and he's coming back. dust and ashes. Oh, but in the hands of a great God. In the hands of a great God. Life. Life to the fullest. In Jesus' name. I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. Jesus, we honor you 
We worship you. Today, right now, in this moment, some of us have no idea why we were in this room today. In many ways, we don't know how we got here. Oh yeah, we were invited and encouraged to come. And, but can I tell you that there's no coincidence, only divine appointment in the economy of God.